Welcome and thanks for checking out this podcast from First International Christian Fellowship. The following message you are about to hear was carefully crafted with you in mind. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope that this message speaks to you as it did to us. Now here's Pastor Joe Salcido delivering this week's sermon. Please join me in the word of prayer. Father, we thank you for everything that you have given to us throughout the week, Lord God. And again, thank you for this opportunity to again learn from you, from your word, with your people, Lord God, in this place that you have placed us to be part of, Lord. And for those of our visitors, Lord God, I pray that you will bless them. You open the eyes of their hearts, Lord God. For those of us who are here, Lord God, and have not surrendered our lives to you, I pray that this will be the evening, Lord God, that uh, we will do so. I pray, Father, for those who are broken, I pray for restoration for them tonight through your message. I pray for those who are lost, Lord God, may this be the one that will just bring them in, bring them back to you. I pray, Lord God, for wisdom from you, that you and you alone speak to your people, Lord God. Don't let me get in the way, Lord. Don't let me, Lord, you are unlimited, Lord God, and I am limited. So, Father, let your power and let the Holy Spirit and all your people, Lord God, speak to them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So we're taking a break. We're taking a break from our 2 Corinthians uh, journey, our series. Calm down. Yeah. <laughs> I know some of you guys are always knocked out by that, that uh, journey. I always knock some of you guys out anyway. Hopefully this will be, some of this will be with you tonight. A very discouraging statistic was uh, revealed to me this week that apparently 20% of what you hear, or from the 100% that you hear, you only retain, we only retain 20% of it if we repeat it, if we hear it three times. So that's, <laughs> that's a lot of work, don't you agree? So I'm going to try to hurry up in this two hours that was given to me for tonight's message. <laughs> and then, uh, no, it's not two hours to our, to our uh, visitors. It's only an hour and a half. But I titled our message, Being and Doing Everything for God. Being and Doing Everything for God. I wanted to title being what he wants us to be and where he wants us to be and doing what he has told us to do with our lives. But I think it was just quite too long to have as a title. Our lives should be spent for him, right? Our lives should be spent for the Lord and to please the Lord. That's at least, that's what the Bible tells us. That's what the Bible tells us. For those of us who have been following God and we've been walking, you've been walking hand in hand with Him, you know that you are not trying to earn your salvation, especially if you've surrendered your life to Christ already. There's no point of earning your salvation. You already got it. It was, the God, it was God's grace. It was the gift that you received. But you still have to live your life as a pleasing sacrifice for Him. In Colossians 1.10, so that you may walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, and may please Him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. There's that walk that needs to be pleasing for God. There's our lives should be spent for Him. There is that need to grow in our knowledge of Him, His ways 
for us, His will for us. We need to take the time to learn and to, to live out. I know this whole week you've been bombarded with everything else, with everything else that uh, you are busy with. You've been bombarded with whatever your co-workers were more than willing to tell you at your break room, correct? Whether it's about their faith or what, how they think of God or what they think of God or nothing about God or how your life should be spent and how it shouldn't be spent. Whether it's in school, you've learned it in school, or for those of us who are no longer going in school, to school but are very much in tune with our Netflix and our series is there. Whatever indoctrination that those writers are trying to impose on you, subtle messages that how we should be living our lives. Those are the information that you're getting. Those are the things that you're learning, whether you like it or not. And this is, and then, and for for many in many ways, the Bible says the other way for us. If the Bible tells us to live live our lives to please the Lord, the world tells us this: follow your heart. They simplify it. You know, I just follow your heart. Whatever it is, be happy. You only live once. You have a miserable marriage? Leave him. I did it. I'm happy. Right? Your wife is, oh, just leave her. I did it before. I'm happy. Follow your heart. Whatever your heart tells you, do it. You don't have any money? Do you have credit cards? you want to be happy? Go to the Philippines. Everybody that goes to the Philippines are happy. It's when they come back when they're sad. So don't come back. Right? Follow your heart. What does your heart tell you? The worst advice that the world tells us is follow your heart. Why is it bad? Why is it bad to follow your heart? Jeremiah 17.9. And for us believers, we say that the Bible is the ultimate authority of our, in our lives, correct? Because it is God's word. Amen? amen. Okay, when, if you said amen, <laughs> if you said amen, everything about how we should live our lives, everything that's in the Bible is your authority, and it's what you need to be doing, correct? Amen. 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 I'm not saying that we're always doing it, but that's the truth. If it's our ultimate authority, if it is God's word, we should be following it to the T. Amen. But here, this is what the Bible says about, about, follow, about our heart. The human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked who really knows how bad it is. If I do this, will it move a little bit here? <laughs> no. <laughs> and desperately wicked who really knows how bad it is. That's what... Jeremiah, that's what God said through Jeremiah on what the human heart is. And Jesus said in Matthew 15, 19, For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, and slander. Again, that's in Matthew 15, 19. The biggest flaw or mistake of our world Number one is that it forgets God. The enemy, Satan, wants everybody in this world to forget who God is. To go against everything that God has said in the Bible. Believers, we've been talking about Satan, right? We've been talking about how he attacks 
us, how he wants, he's lurking there, trying to attack us, looking for when to strike, right? And most of the time, we get caught with this biggest lie from the world of to follow our hearts. Last week, we spoke about growing with the knowledge. We were talking about transforming by the, the, the renewing of our minds. Tonight, we're talking about the heart. Because everything, you know, everything that's in your heart is what drives you. Do we agree? Your children, if you have children, your children are the ones that drives most of us. Oh, the reason why I'm working this hard is because of my family, for my children. If you don't have any children, you're nephews and nieces in the Philippines because you're bringing, you're the one who's sending them to college, right? Because everybody knows there, they know you don't have any kids, so ah, call auntie, call uncle. They have money. But regardless, it's whoever and whatever it is that's in our heart that drives us. It's our driving force. And the Bible tells us, Proverbs 4, 20 to 23 says, My son, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart. God's word must be kept in our hearts. As much as we are learning about God constantly through our Bible reading and our study here when we're here through your Bible studies, our hearts should be changed. When we hear God's word, we need to put it in our hearts. It needs to be our driving force. For they are life to those who find them, God's word is. And health to one's whole body. Above all else, guard your heart. Guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, Jesus said. So you will catch what is the most important thing with your coworker or your friend, your, your husband or your wife or your children is whatever comes out of their mouth all the time. If it's food, they love to eat. If it's about money, they love making money. If it's about the Philippines, they love the Philippines. If it's about Mexico or something, traveling. If it's about their retirement, they're obsessed about their retirement. It's about their business. They're obsessed about their business. But believers, Jesus tells us that we have to guard our hearts, right? Because out of it comes adultery. Out of it comes deceitful things. So tonight, as we discuss, that's our opener, right? That's our introduction to what we're going to be talking about. But tonight, we're going to, be, we're going to look at two accounts of... David and his fall with Bathsheba, as you see there in, in chapter 11. And then we're, and in our second hour, we're going to be talking about the disciples <laughs> when Jesus comes storm. So let's begin. In the spring, at the time when kings go off to war, David sent Joab, out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. They destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah, but David remained in Jerusalem. David now decides, he decided to stay 
while he was supposed to be at war with his soldiers. So the first point is being where God wants us to be. We need to be where God wants us to be. If God wanted you to be here and you're here, praise God. Amen? Because wherever God wants you to be, that's where we need to be. Whether, there's, whether that's challenging, whether that's comfort, whether that's a vacation, whether that's work, we need to be there. Or else, we will see what happens. If you already know the story, you knew, you already know, that because of this decision, David deciding to stay instead of going, it cost him one of his biggest falls that led to it cost him to fall in an adultery, in, in adultery to, to commit adultery, and then murder. And then he lost because of that. The coup that was that happened because uh, by his son Absalom was conspired with Uriah's uncle, Bathsheba's uncle. You will see that all these things because of this decision. Many sins followed. So whenever we argue with God, whenever we follow our heart instead of following God, sin is in the middle of it. You are close, if not already, close to committing sin, falling. Because first of all, you already, you already sinned, right? The joke where two gamblers were talking and they're trying to quit to gamble, and they said, man, I'm, I, I tell you, I'm not going to gamble for a year. And the other guy goes, you want to bet? <laughs> and then the other guy goes, sure. And they shook hands. And they said, I will get you. And you already sinned. If God told you to go somewhere else, but yet you followed your heart, you already fell. And then you're going to continue to fall. So believers, we have to continue to know, we have to, if, if you're already following God, if you're constantly following God, praise God, continue to do so. And we're going to find out later when the, with the disciples that it doesn't guarantee a life of free of trouble or hardship. Sometimes you are free of trouble and hardship when you follow God, but most of the time, it's a challenging walk. So we'll continue with this one. One evening, David got up from his bed and walked around on the roof of the palace. From the roof, he saw a woman bathing. The woman was very beautiful. And David sent someone to find, about her, find out about her. The man said, she is Bathsheba, the daughter of Iliam, and the wife of Uriah, the Hittite. few things here. David decided to stay in the palace because he didn't want to go to war where he has to stay in a tent. And he's the king, right? So I'm pretty sure his tent was more comfortable, more warmer than the other people's tent. But he has just had enough of it. Don't you agree? From a very young man where well, he battled against Goliath and then he had to earn one of Saul's daughters by, by fighting and killing and bringing in the foreskins of, of, of several kings. He'd had, he, he's gone through many battles in his life. 
He's gone through a lot of wars, and he has just had enough of it. He said, probably said, it's time for me to retire. It's time for me to sit back, relax, put my feet up, take a selfie, post it on Instagram. <laughs> I am resting today. You guys go. I'll be praying for you guys. I'll be with you in spirit. That's what David said. But then David got bored. <laughs> you know, when you are not going, if you're not going to do what God told you to do, you're going to be bored. You're going to be bored. You're not going to be fulfilled. You're not going to be happy. God will make sure of that. God will make sure of that. I was supposed to take a break this weekend. I, was already, I already lined it up with Brother Richard here. And he was more than willing to help me out. But I could feel in my heart, in my innermost being, that God wasn't giving me the peace. God didn't want me to take a break. He said, one more, one more Sunday. One more Sunday. And I know if I said no, because I've done that many times before, I will probably fall. I will probably not be happy and be bored. This is what happened to David. He got bored. He got up. He started looking at the scenery. And he saw temptation. The woman was bathing. So, you know, if it was by accident that he got up there and he saw a woman bathing, what's the first reaction? So you're supposed to say it like this, right? You say, oh, oh, oh. But... What David ended up doing was like, wow. <laughs> he took a second and a third look, and then he just stayed there. That's what temptation is for many times, for many of us. Sometimes we don't know. Sometimes we don't know. It just catches us. But it catches us at a very, our most vulnerable time, most of the time. It catches us when we first disobey God. Because the next thing after one disobedience is another disobedience. One sin will lead to another sin. And I just want to give you guys a background on how the palace looked like here. It says here it's about 10, 10 acres. So where the palace sits, the people that are, the houses or the properties that are surrounding David's palace are people from his administration. Most likely. People that he trusted. People that work for him. And it's a 10-acre scope. So it's not too big, but at the same time, not too small. So for him to even say, go find out who this woman is, he already had a pretty good idea. Some commentaries said here that this could be somebody's wife. And what Bathsheba was doing, why in the world was she taking a bath, right? But, hey, she's taking a bath. She, why, how would she know that David will have an interest while she's taking a bath, right? But it's the Levitical law, what she was doing. It was, an, it was what she needed to do because it was after her menstrual cycle. And the Leviticus, in Leviticus, you will see there that they are told to wash and bathe after. 
That also tells us that she was not pregnant by any which way or form by her husband. If you already know the story, she gets pregnant by David. So we all know that it really is David. It's not a TFC teleseria where there's another guy that really was involved. It was really David. It was really David that got Bathsheba pregnant. And then you see here, the woman was very beautiful. That's what temptations are. That's what Satan is. Satan is a beautiful woman. Satan is a handsome guy. Satan is something that's good. Satan is something that will say, follow your heart. That's what it is. Follow your heart. That's what the world says, right? David and Bathsheba know that they weren't supposed to do what they did. But that's what happened. Guard your eyes is my next point. And what I saw there where he says, David saw from the roof, he saw. And the header there, not being where God wants us can lead to sin. So if you see in your programs, there's some blanks there. So because they said again, from what I heard is, you hear, you learn from hearing, you hear from Touching, you hear from doing. So as you're writing, hopefully, as you're hearing me, with the 20% that you can retain, hopefully it will be what you need for the week. Guard your eyes, Jesus said. Your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eyes is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy... Your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, you how deep that darkness is. The worst thing about a person who is lost, the worst thing is the fact that if they don't know that they're lost. Some people, have you been lost before? And you keep going and going and you don't even know you're lost. And then before you know, you lost two hours. That was me before GPS. I would never admit to Anna Lou that I was lost. She would go, why don't you just stop at the, Jeep, uh, at the gas station and ask them where we're going? I mean, if we're lost. I go, no, we're not lost. I know where we're going. I know where we're going. And I keep going and going. And then before we were, <laughs> we're where we're not supposed to be because of pride, because of my pride. And most of the time, people in this world, because of their pride, they won't admit that they are lost. They won't admit that they need Jesus in their lives. They won't even admit, because of their pride, that there is a God. I met this one guy last Saturday. I didn't, oh, I didn't meet him. He's, he's an old friend of mine. And to my surprise, he's claiming to be an atheist. I don't know if he's just doing that on purpose because he knows I'm a pastor now. And he just wants to irk me. But he said he's an atheist. To my surprise, he's still an atheist because days before that, he had a stroke. He had a mild stroke. So I'm so surprised that he's still denying God. He said, well, something out there didn't want me to die yet. But I can't really say it was God. But you know what? I went to church because I wanted to think that's something out there. And, you know, I know this guy from the past. I know this guy would, was so scared of getting into a fight with somebody that's smaller than him. But then here, 
is so arrogantly denying the God of the universe. So I told him, don't you find it so arrogant of you to say that after the fact that somebody, as you said, saved you, you now turn around and say, well, something out there saved me, but I'm not really going to say it's God. And I said, why are you saying that? Have you looked into the scientific background of these things? And he goes, no, not really. I go, so why are you denying that there's a God? And this is his answer. I can't really still swallow it. He said, because everything that I have is because of me. That's what he said. Basically, didn't want to share. He didn't want to share to anyone, whatever he has, credit. He didn't want to give anybody else credit. He wants all the credit. And what does the Bible say? God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And they told him, you know what? I'm going to be praying for you. And he said, you know, dude, if God will show me himself, if he will, if he will appear in front of me right now, I will believe him. So I said, and I told him because, you know, he was already being sarcastic, right? And I, already, I also have that in me. So I said, are you in drugs? Are you on drugs for some reason? I mean, by, by any chance? Because if you look around you, if you look around you, there's, there's no lack of evidence of God. God is, God is everywhere, as you can see. If you look up in the sky, as Paul said, right, in Romans, a person can just have to look up in the sky and they will know that there is a God. So that's the point there. If you will just open your eyes, if your eyes are on the right things, you will see that there is a God. But at the end of the day, it's really your heart that that's the problem. Many scientists, many scientists have tried to argue. Some have become believers. Some remain atheists. Because it's not the lack of evidence, it's what's in their hearts. But going back on the I part, what do you see most of the time? For believers, we're supposed to be reading the Word. How can we continue to walk that straight and narrow with the Lord if our knowledge of God isn't enough? It is God, the Holy Spirit that, that's in us, that's going to empower us to continue to obey Him. It is Him. But without us feeding ourselves, without us feeding our bodies with the light from the Word of God, it's going to be hard. If your whole time, in your 24 hours, you've spent 16 hours watching Netflix movies, and you take pride in it, and you post it on your Facebook, and you're saying, binge time, you know, it's a movie binge. James Bond Marathon, right? <laughs> I don't even know if the young people know James Bond. Like, who is that? That's what you feed yourself. That's what happens. And then darkness comes. And then you don't even know you're lost. You don't even know you're lost. We need to be guarding our eyes. As we guard our eyes, our minds are filled with whatever we're watching, whatever we're reading, whatever you're listening to. Young people, as the, the older people here are saying, it's the young people. It's the young people. <laughs> young people, you have to watch what you're listening to. You have to watch what you're watching. If it is not aligned with God's word, if it's all about the world, the world is telling you to be against God. 
in many, many subtle ways. It could be a message, a subtle message in your games or those songs that you're listening to. Mature people. <laughs> it's the same with us. The hardest, things that we, the hardest things to learn are the things that we think we already know. And the, fact, the time that we think we're walking the straight and narrow with the Lord because we're constant with our flesh, guess what? We could fall. So we have to be watchful of what we see and what we read. David was complacent. Do we agree? Complacency can lead to sin, and sin, sin is death. Then David sent messengers to get her, get Bathsheba. And she came to him, and he slept with her. Now, she was purifying herself from her monthly uncleanliness. My wife and I called my wife for a meeting this morning, and I wanted to find out what this meant with, you know, with women. I go, okay, what does this mean? So, so apparently, <laughs> apparently a woman is more fertile. There's two to three days or two to five days after the menstrual cycle that they, you are more prone to getting pregnant. But as we looked at the, as we looked at the, here, here, here it is. It's, this is from parenting.com. Your fertility, um, in general, a woman's fer fertile window, fertile window is the day of ovulation, usually 12 to 16 days before the menstrual period begins and the five days preceding it. For the average woman, that occurs somewhere between 10 days and 17. So I, I, I want to mention that because, again, I mentioned it earlier, and I want to mention it again, that this, as this happened, it was really David who was the father of that child. And, and you will see here that there is no argument. There was no argument from Bathsheba. Because if you will see in, in, in the Bible that there were rapes, unfortunately. There were things that, were, that happened there. Men forced themselves to women, and you will read the ugliness of it. It's recorded. So if that were the case here, that would have been written here. But Bathsheba also gave in. She also gave in to this, this uh, the sin. So there was an abuse of power from David here. There was, because sin just blinds you. When you're following your heart, everything gets blinded. You could care less. Right? You could care less if you were going against God, number one. Now, if you can go against God, who is Uriah the Hittite? If you can go against God and God tells you do not yoke with unbelievers, who is your parents for the young people? Why would you fear them after that? Right? If you're a believer and you say God is, is your God and is, He is your Lord, and you know that the, the Bible says do not commit adultery, but you're going to do it, so who cares because you're following your heart. You could care less who the spouse of that person is that you're going to have an affair with. You could care less what people will have to say. Correct? Because once you disobey God, everything just goes out the window. And then here, it says here, then she went back 
the woman conceived and said the word to David, I am pregnant. But Sheba basically said, the ball's in your court, David. Ball's on your court. Now she's leaving it up to David now on what they're going to do because Levitical law says they have to die. They will be stoned to death. The sin of adultery in the Old Testament, they have to die. That's the payment for it. And we all know, if you don't know the story, David basically made sure, well, he, he, at least he tried, to have Uriah sleep with his wife so that he can cover his sin. But Uriah was a man of integrity, and he wouldn't want to do anything but then to stay in the war that they were in. For David, for God. So David came up with another plan. Murder. Set him up for murder. One sin of adultery went to the murder part. If we are not going to be where God wants us to be, or we are not where God wants us to be, we are more likely, if we haven't yet, we'll be sinning. And then when sin occurs, death occurs. Now for the believer who knows the doctrine of grace, you're saying there, you're saying there, well, you know, praise God for grace. Guys, I'm with you. I say amen with that. Amen to that. Praise God for grace. Because Jesus paid it all, right? For those of us who have surrendered our lives to him, for those of us who have accepted him as our Lord, for those of us who have agreed to what Jesus has done on the cross was the payment of our sins, praise God for grace. Because most of us, we have sinned like David did. Or we, have continue, we are continually sinning too. With the movies that we're watching. The movies that you're watching that contains those graphic things. Because Jesus said, if you look at a woman lustfully, you have committed adultery. He has set the bar higher. You don't, ne you don't necessarily have to do the act. But you just have to think it. And you've committed the sin. But Jesus has paid for it. So if you've accepted Jesus, praise God. But at the same time, at the same time, if you have accepted Jesus as your Lord, and yet you are disobedient to his will, and yet you are spending your lives against his will and not for his will, spending your lives and ruining, ruining the blessing that he has planned for you. Disobedience equals consequences. David suffered for these things. David did. The baby died. Correct? And then one of his sons committed, planned, a, did a coup d'etat. Right? An uprising. And they kicked him out. And again, that one guy there that was involved there was one of David's counselor. It was the uncle of Bathsheba. It's in chapter 15. If you want to turn there, because I, I forgot his name. I <laughs> in verse, verse 1 of chapter 15, In the course of time, Absalom provided himself with a chariot and horses with 50 men to run ahead of him. 
Oh, no, it's Ahitophel is his name. Yes, Atitophel, one of his counselors, was one that conspired with Absalom. So because they knew that it was David, David violated Bathsheba for them, right? And David killed Uriah. David ruined Bathsheba's reputation. So they were mad. They were upset about it. It wasn't good for, for David. So that's our first point here. Am I still good? Okay. We need to know that the desire of David when he looked at Bathsheba was there. Then he started, when he saw it, because he wasn't guarding his eyes, desire happened. Right? And when James 1.13-15 says, When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted. Nor does, he attempt, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. That is what happened to David, and that's what happens to us. So what do we do? We have to change our desires. We have to change our desires to this next verse. Psalm 37, 4. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and He will give you the desires. Everybody goes, the desires of my heart. So, oh yeah, I'm going to get everything that my heart is desiring for. But what we're missing there is we have to delight ourselves in the Lord. We have to be indwelled with the Lord. We have to be pleased with the Lord. Everything about us must be about the Lord. And when we're focused and in love with God, He will give us the desires. He will give us the desires. The desires of our heart will change. The desires of our heart will no longer be about the worldly things that we used to, to want and live for and to die for. Our desires will change, basing it on what God wants for us. It will change. If one of your desires was to get married, and you fell in love with God, and now you're delighting in God, and then God gives you the wisdom, you're like, oh my gosh, what was I thinking? I don't want to be married anymore. There you became wise, right? You became wise. Now there's no more desire of getting married, because you know getting married sometimes can cause trouble. Amen? Because sometimes, <laughs> some, of, some of you are agreeing, but the men are like, don't look at me. Don't look at me. I will not agree with you because I will get in trouble. I am not smiling. <laughs> no. The, 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 the desires change. Right? The desires change. If one of your desires was to get rich, be wealthy, retire early, and you delight in the Lord and your desires will change. You're like, you know what? I'm going to spend my life for God. I'm going to spend my life for Him. Everything about me is for Him. Everything that I have is for Him. It will change. And that's why this verse, some people use this verse to claim, to name it and claim it. They say, oh, the Bible says, 
If you die in the Lord, He will give you the desires of your heart. They, they say this very fast because they want to get to here right away. He will give you the desires of your heart. The clear one, they mumble everything else, but the desires of your heart, He will give you the desires of your heart. Because that's what we want. We just, selfish things, right? Worldly things. That's what we focus on. So we need to change our desires. We need to guard our eyes, and then we need to change our desires. How do we change our desires? We need to delight in the Lord. We need to grow in the knowledge of our Lord. We need to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. It's all connected, and we all need it. We need it. That's why this world is dying, because they denied God, and they want to deny God. No more God in schools. Guns come in, and they start talking about guns. They still don't want to talk about God. No God. Everything else but God. Everything else but God. Divorce rates jump. Suicide rates for teenagers jump. But no talks about God. Medical. Let's talk about medical things. Things that make sense. Everything else but some old thing that's written in that book. Because that don't relate anymore. We need to change our desires. Our desires need to be for God. We need to be delighting in Him. Please turn your Bibles to Mark 4. We're going to be reading from... So I'm on my 30-minute marker, huh? All right. Mark 4, 35 to 37. Some of you are probably thinking like, oh, I thought he was lying. I thought he was just kidding. He wasn't. <laughs> now I want to show you this. This is why we're, gonna, why we're going through Mark. Why we're going to see when Jesus calmed the storm. This is the point of it. That sometimes being with Jesus and doing what he wants us to do, it does not mean a life free of trouble or worries all the time. Sometimes it does. When we're following God ever so closely, if we are where He wants us to be, if we are doing everything that He has told us, it sometimes, unfortunately, is not a bed of roses. Sometimes, most of the time, following God, just like the disciples, could cost us our lives. We've heard of missionaries that followed God. Right? We've heard of missionaries that followed God. We've heard of pastors that followed God and dedicated their lives to God. And we know of their children failing. We know of their, their, them getting killed or getting imprisoned, having a harder life. We've known of Christ, Chinese Christian people that have turned to Jesus and have been persecuted and martyred. There's been more Christian martyrs in, this, in our time more than any other time. Sometimes following God, being where He wants us to be, does not guarantee. I know we saw the, the other point of this, that David was not where he, God wanted him to be, and he fell. He didn't do what he needed, God wanted him to do, and he fell. Now we're going to see that sometimes, and for, I want to say most of the time, when you're following God, it doesn't guarantee a life free of trouble. As evening came, Jesus said to His disciples, Let's cross to the other side of the lake. Jesus told them. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out. Leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. But soon, 
a fierce storm came up. You see here, we see here that the disciples followed what Jesus told them to do. Amen? We see here that when we obey God, a storm comes up. Right? If you've been following God and if you've been with God for all this time and you're going through a storm, you know what? It's normal. It's normal. It happens. It does happen. A life of a Christian is an impossible life. And a Christian life is impossible. Without the help of the Holy Spirit, we cannot do anything. Apart from Jesus, we can't do anything. But with Him, He gives us strength to do whatever He wants us to do. So we see it there that Jesus told them and they obeyed, but they have trouble. Jesus, the question now is, does God care? Because I'm obeying God, Joe. I've been walking with God, Joe. Now why am I experiencing these things? Why is God not answering my prayers? Why are my kids getting sick? Why, am I, why is my family getting attacked? Why is my business failing? Why is my car breaking? <laughs> right? And then you say, does God care? Have you asked this question? If you're going to be honest, I'm pretty sure everybody have asked that question. Do you care, Lord? And we see here, the disciples did that. Jesus was sleeping. <laughs> Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat and his head on a cushion. The disciples woke him up shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? Experienced fishermen. Experienced fishermen. This wasn't their first rodeo. This wasn't the first time that they experienced storm in the boat. I'm pretty sure they've seen and experienced many storms for the believers here that's been a believer for many years. It doesn't matter how long we've been following God. It doesn't matter how many storms we've been through. Sometimes we still panic, unfortunately. Sometimes we still panic. Oh, Lord, don't you care? Don't you care, Lord? We know the answer to that, right? God cares. God cares. He counts our tears in a bottle. Right? He counts it. He keeps it there. He knows. He knows our pain. He knows our hurt. When he brought back Lazarus from the dead, he cried. Jesus wept. Because he knew the pain of the sisters and the people that loved Lazarus. I love the commentary, and I, I tend to agree to it, where he cried because he was crying for Lazarus because he was going to bring Lazarus back. <laughs> he was going to bring Lazarus back to this world. So he was like, oh, Lazarus, man, I'm sorry. I'm going to have to bring you back. <laughs> Just when you thought you were out, I pulled you back in. Right? He pulled him back in. Jesus feels. Right? He feels for us. He's compassionate. He knows every hurt. He knows every worry. He knows every concern. He tells us, give it up to Him. That's what He told us. Come to me, all of you who are heavily laden, and I will give you rest. That's what He said. So does He care? Yes, He cares. Yes, He cares. Then He arose and rebuked the wind. 
and said to the sea, Peace, be still, and the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. But he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is that that you have no faith? Sometimes we have to always be asked that question, unfortunately. No matter how long we've been walking with God, no matter how many times we think we've been obedient to Him. Because sometimes when we're walking ever so closely to God, we feel entitled, right? We feel entitled that, Lord, I've been following you. I shouldn't be going through trials. Right, Lord? You, you should be blessing me because obedience comes blessings. And then you panic because it keeps coming and you're like, Lord, do you care? And then he, he asks us, you still have no faith. It's not just faith for the sake of faith. It's faith on Jesus. What the disciples forgot was Jesus, the Son of God, was with them. Amen? If you're serving God and you're going through trouble, don't forget the fact that God is with you. Amen? Jesus is in the boat with you. Jesus is in the boat with you. He knows what you're going through. Don't forget that. That's what they forgot. They forgot who was in the back of the boat. That's why, look, don't you still have no faith? I am here. Church, whatever it is that you're going through, just know, especially if you've surrendered your life to him, God cares. God cares about that concern of yours. And God has the power to quiet the storms. Whatever storms it is that you're going through in your life, God can say, be still, and it will stop. When God restores somebody, it only takes momentary, a moment, and it, everything will be healed. The woman who was bleeding for many years was healed instantaneously. The woman that had osteoporosis problems for 18 years. Jesus saw her in the temple and Jesus said, Woman, be free from your ailment. She was instantaneously healed. She suffered for 18 years. In seconds, she was healed. When God takes control, when God says it's enough, it will be done. Amen? It doesn't matter how long you've been praying. It matters who you're praying to. Because God can hear your prayer and God has the power to answer your prayers. And lastly, I want to end with this. I know that our topic has been about obeying God, being where God wants us to be. But at the same time, I know I'm going to, I switched it to when you're following God and then trouble comes. And sometimes, even though you're following Him ever so closely, sometimes you still doubt. Sometimes we still fear. And He says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. That's God's promise. Amen? That's God's promise. Dismay means to cause or to lose courage. We shouldn't lose courage. Courage is, is, is moving forward despite the presence of fear. Believers, we should be courageous. We shouldn't be dismayed. 
We shouldn't be fearful. The only thing that we need to be fearful is God himself. We need to have that reverent fear of him. But everything else we need to focus and go because God says he is with us. Amen? Whatever it is that's been giving you a hard time, if, even if it's a ministry work, especially if it's a ministry work. You know, your family is a ministry too. If you're having trouble at your, at your family, with your spouse, with your children, God knows that, and he will strengthen you to go through it. In 1 Peter 4.11, it reads, If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Disobedience has consequences, and obedience has blessings. We cannot always win, unfortunately, but we can always be aware. The worst thing for someone who is lost is that he or she doesn't know that they are lost. If you have surrendered your life to Jesus and accepted him as your Lord, you are no longer lost. But when we sin, we burden ourselves with the consequences of it. We lose our joy, we lose our testimony, we become a stumbling block. Well, praise the Lord. Despite all these things, God has paid for it all and is tirelessly seeking for us, His people, to come back to Him. For those of us who have astrayed, He is still tirelessly seeking you. For God died and for the sins of the world, all we need to do is accept that gift. If you, woke, if you were outside today and your hair, if you have hair, wasn't pushed by the wind, the strong storms, wind storms that we've been going through, didn't you appreciate that sunny day today? If you hate the cold like I do, don't you love that sun today? Sometimes it takes stormy days for us to appreciate the sunny days. Believers, we're not guaranteed a life that a life of obedience is not guaranteed a life of a bed of roses. But we're still told to live our lives to please Him, no matter what. Let's not forget that He is with us. Let's not forget that the power that we're going that we have is His power. To obey Him and to please Him, not ours. Because ours will fail. So we need to be where God wants us to be. We need to do what God wants us to do. Amen? Please join me in the word of prayer. Father, we thank You for Your message tonight, Lord God. And Father, as, a, as it is again about obedience and holy living, Father, I pray, Lord, that as, as it continues to be repeated in it, to us, Lord God, I pray that we will hear it. For those of us who just hears it but not listen to it, Father, I pray that this will be the evening, that this whole week, Lord God, that very moment that this, as we step out of this building, we will be glorifying you with our lives. We will be pleasing you with our lives. We will be giving our lives for you and to you alone. Father, forgive us, Lord, for the many times that we disobeyed you. 
Father, guard us, guard our eyes, Lord. Give us the wisdom to guard our eyes and to be away from these things, Lord God, that will tempt us to, and lure us to be away from you and from your will. Lord, I pray for blessings for those of your people here that have been obedient to you, Lord God. I pray that you bless them, Lord. Father, answer their prayers, Lord God. Lord, those who have been delighting in you, Lord, I pray that, they will, that you will give them the desires of their heart. Lord, I pray for those who have been making that sacrifice day in and day out for you because of their love relationship with you. I pray that you bless them, Lord God, beyond their imagination. Lord, I pray for that lost soul that you brought here tonight, Lord. I pray that this will be the evening that they will receive the ultimate gift, a life of salvation, eternal life, Lord God, the gift of salvation. Father, I pray for those who, again, Lord, those who are broken, I pray that you restore them. Help them, Father. Help us, Lord, continue to seek you and please you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. That's the end of today's message. If you enjoy listening to this podcast and want to support our mission of reaching others, help grow our ministry by visiting ficfreno.com slash give. To get the latest updates from our channel, hit the subscribe button. Visit our Facebook page by clicking the link below to let us know how God is moving in your life.